by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hi folks, welcome back to the N17 Women Podcast. This is Abby speaking and I'll be your host today. I'm here with Rachel, Sean, and Caroline as usual. How are you guys? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It could be better in Spurs world, I feel like. Well, at least, you know, I mean, no FA Cups to worry about for men or women now. Well, and look, I can promise you guys that even if the show ends all square, we won't be doing 30 minutes of extra time. How does that sound? That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. All righty. So I think we were all feeling pretty good about this game initially. But then we heard before the game that Beth England was carrying a knock. And sure enough, she wasn't even on the bench. Um, we started with Tinny and Goal, a back three of Amy Turner, Molly Barchip, and Karis Harrop. Since Evelina was still suspended due to the incident, we saw a midfield two of Angerad James and Drew Spence with Ash Neville and Ismita Ale as wingbacks. Mana sat ahead of them as a 10, and Celine and Nikki led off the line in a front two. I think. One notable thing was that Kit Graham was on the bench, which we were all very excited about. Uh, And Jess wasn't on the bench, if I'm remembering correctly. And I think that about sums it up. So what did you all make of that lineup? I think it was clear when we saw the lineup that there was a relatively thin squad because not only was Jess not on the bench, um, but there were also two academy players on the bench, uh, um, and we had Shalina on the bench, which I guess was the biggest surprise. But since that she'd just come back from playing for Canada and the States, probably less of a surprise. And I have to say, when I first saw Kit on the bench, I just thought that she was kind of almost there symbolically. And it was just Rianne trying to show that there were more players at her disposal than um, otherwise would be. So I guess I thought I was more surprised that Kit came on than I actually, I was really surprised to see her on the bench. I was then again surprised when she came on because it just felt like there was a kind of a bit of bench padding going on in order to make it look like more of a significant set of players. Yeah, I think the uh, the lineup initially caused some confusion. People looking at the list of players and, and not quite sure how they were going to line up. Um, that it, how it eventually lined up is kind of where I thought defensively it looked like it was going anyway. Um, and I think, um, yeah, with the players that we had out injured, it's probably not really a surprise in terms of players, except maybe Celine was a bit unusual since she'd been playing at the, you know, the kind of the wing back position the last couple of games and then being moved straight up to the top to striker was an interesting choice. Um, great to see Asmita getting her start again. I was kind of, I, 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 in my optimism for the game, I was in, so in one way pleased that Beth England wasn't starting because I kind of felt this was an opportunity for the rest of the team to show that she wasn't just this wonder pill that had been dropped in and was going to change everything for us. And that actually we had the opportunity, the opportunity to show actually that she was a great addition, but not the be all in the end all. Unfortunately, you know, that didn't quite happen. But um, yeah, you know, uh, otherwise nothing too surprising, I don't think, given what we knew about who was available. Yeah, I was not feeling quite as optimistic about the absence of Beth. Um, it really did concern me. Just the fact that she wasn't even available to be on the bench too uh, was a worry. 
but I think it's always good when we get to see Nikki having a start and to have her kind of playing up with Celine as a duo was a really intriguing prospect. And I actually did end up liking it in practice too. But other than that, yeah, I feel like the the lineup was kind of a situation of who is available, where can we fit them in and try to get the most talent on the pitch as we can with the constraints that we have. So no real complaints about how we actually lined up. I guess I was yeah. a bit surprised about it being a back three and sort of like going to a back five sometimes, given that we were playing Reading and they haven't, they're not renowned for scoring. And again, they've had now three games against us and have not scored a goal from open play. So they aren't a big goal threat. And so I was a little bit surprised that we didn't perhaps go with a back four. And especially when I first saw the lineup, I was guessing that's what we were going to do. So I guess that was a surprise. And as people have said, I definitely did not guess that there was going to be a front two with Celine and Nikki. Yeah, I think like part of it is we do, if you actually consider Amy and Karis as center backs, we do have so many center backs and they do tend to be the ones who are fit these days. So I don't know if it was like an actual, I mean, but I like, yeah, you guys know that I was very confused about the formation before we started recording about this. And I was thinking that it was a back four and that's what I thought when I saw the lineup as well. So like that specific lineup very well could have been a back four and it just wasn't. So that does make it seem more like a choice. I think like my initial thinking when I saw that lineup was, you know, look how far we've come, like, even without Beth England in the squad, like, this is still a decent lineup. And I still feel like this lineup should beat Reading. So I was relatively optimistic, even though I was like, disappointed about some things, I I still thought it had enough. Uh, Unfortunately, that was not really the case. Um, But yeah, a lot of minutes of football happened. So let's just get into it then. So it's going to be a bit funny when I do these recaps because the FA player did not have timestamps on it. And so I don't really know when anything happened. So we're all going out approximation here, except for the substitutes, which I was obviously able to see, you know, on the Google. Anyway, game started. Two sides were pretty evenly matched. I would say Reading engaged in kind of a flurry of foot races against our back line right out of the gate, but none of them really amounted to much. At around the 10-minute mark, maybe plus or minus three minutes, uh, Nikki and Celine had some nice interplay, and the ball ricocheted to Ash Neville unmarked in the box, and she just had this, like, really heartbreaking whiff. I think we all spotted that one. And then about 10 minutes later, we had another really good chance when Ash and Celine launched, uh, launched a pretty nice counter, but Ash's shot went wide. Tinny was called upon to make a few saves in that first half, but nothing too troubling. Anything else notable from that initial 45 minutes of football? Well, I'm not sure whether that second one was Ash shooting or Ash trying to pass to Nikki and Nikki not getting on it um, at the at the post. Um, I, I kind of felt like she was trying to get it to Nikki rather than shoot in that instance. And Nikki just either misread that or didn't have the pace to get to it. Um, so, but again, you know, and the, the first one, uncharacteristic for Ash to be, be missing but I think at that point it was like well it's early enough on in the game good signs to start off with um let's let's see how this continues yeah I have to say watching it I was and I was kind of trying to live tweet it because it wasn't playing for anyone outside of the UK or who wasn't there even in the UK it wasn't playing outside of the stadium and so I was and I was feeling really optimistic I think through most of the yeah for the through the first half because it just felt like there were lots of opportunities people were finding space 
I tried to find this again. I have to admit, I have not watched rewatched the whole 120 plus minutes. Um, but there was, I remember a really nice bit of play. I think it was Drew crossing into the box and Nikki went for a sort of overhead shot, which didn't quite work. There was like, people were trying creative things. It felt like a different kind of Spurs, especially if you compare us to when we played Reading last, which I think is sort of a fair comparison that we were away was in I think November it was the first of the games that we lost in the league and so it was the start of our bad run but it was also one of the first games where we were just looking like we couldn't connect with one another there was almost no passing happened um there were very bereft of ideas until the second half and there was a few breaks with um Keris and Chi down the left but the rest of the game was just really unwatchable and this game wasn't unwatchable I felt like we were making connections I could see people having ideas uh I thought and this is throughout the game I mean you know I love Nikki so I'm super biased but she does a really good job of just um holding up the ball she was getting finding it in spaces and that was creating space and time for other people she was also really strong she was often getting kind of like you know defenders were trying to grab her and she was able to press through and so I think we saw some strengths from her. We saw Celine being really creative and it just didn't work. And it was that, you know, the finishing, our defence. I mean, we kept a clean sheet for the first time in how long is it that we, since we've kept a clean sheet against anyone in the WSL? So there was some stuff going on that was working. We weren't making stupid mistakes. We were creative. We were passing. Yeah. Such a sad day that it didn't keep on going right. I mean, you know, Abby and I had the perspective of knowing the result ahead of time when we watched the game. So it just, it took on this kind of like tragic tone, (laughs) kind of like watching, you know, Sisyphus with the rock, but it's just, that frustrates me that we immediately upon losing bet to injury have reverted to this sort of inability to finish our chances. It it's almost like it's a a mentality thing more than a skill thing, because like you said, we had plenty of opportunities to score. Um, And some of them were very good opportunities as well. But on the positive side of things, you know, this front two was kind of a new thing for us. And I actually really liked how it worked out in practice. Um, I feel like it, it kind of, like you said, freed Celine up to be a little more creative and also allowed Nikki to utilize her really strong holdup play. So I felt like we had a really good balance in the attack. And it's it's just a shame that we couldn't get a goal, you know, not just in the first half, but the whole game. Yeah, I feel like I'm trying not to be like, my initial reaction was like, uh, it's so frustrating that like, we aren't, you know, taking advantage of these opportunities we're creating and all that. And like, I don't love that. And it is frustrating with Beth being out of the team, trying to frame it to myself as like retaining the ball and keeping possession and also winning first balls and second balls were major problems for us in the fall. And I saw market improvement in both of those things in this game. And so I'm trying to take that as a positive, but it's like a little difficult to get past the fact that like we spent all this time and money and like had this string of losses and we're still back where we were last year with like creating opportunities, but not being able to score. 
I'm hoping it was just like a, the bounces didn't fall for us today kind of thing and not like a larger systematic problem in the side with mentality or anything like that. But I think we just won't know for a few more games, you know, any one of those goes in. And I feel like we're having a totally different conversation today about how many positives we saw and like how promising that is uh, for the rest of the season. I don't know. I think, I mean, I think you're right about that. I mean, before the game, I tried to do a, like I tried to write up my sort of like predictions for the next four games, this one being one of them and then another three and thinking that these were like key games within our season. And in some ways it matters less if we lose in the FA Cup, but this was really a winnable game, even with that squad, because, you know, without some of our key players, because Reading don't score a lot of goals and yeah, they defend well and or they're organised, but they should be a team that we could be like they are the first very beatable team that we've had for many games and so it was so disappointing in that sense that we didn't get a win just to give us the confidence because we know what we're going into next which is Man City and then we've got two absolutely crucial games and so this game mattered for that confidence building and it's more frustrating about that than going out of the FA Cup which we're not going to win. Right. I mean, I do also think that the Reading goalkeeper played very well, um, you know, and she had good command of her area, but we didn't really change it up. We still kept trying to to, to play those balls in and, and she still kept coming out and grabbing them. So I, I think maybe we didn't kind of think about changing our game plan to, to allow for the fact that she was doing that well. Um, she's not their first choice keeper in the league. So, you know, they wouldn't have necessarily known she was going to be playing and what her strengths and weaknesses were, but she clearly had command of that area. And when we were playing balls around the, you know, around the goal, she was able to come out and claim the ball a lot of the time. Most of the time she was snuffing things out. You know, lots of things, again, you know, game management and how you deal with things things that come up. Yeah, I mean, it, as, as Rachel says, on one hand, FA Cup, one game, doesn't really matter too much. Although, you know, we're never going to win the FA Cup, but it would have been nice to have a bit of a run. But it does matter in terms of how it makes the, the players feel for the rest of this. Hopefully it will motivate them in the right way in terms of, okay, no, we've still got to buck our ideas up. We can't sit back on our laurels after having done okay um, or better in the recent games and using the excuse of it being Chelsea for not having won them. They're still now, they can still see there's some work to be done. Yeah, I think that's a great point about their goalkeeper as well. I noticed as well, she was really good at coming out, coming off her line at the right time. Her timing on that was like impeccable. Anyway, second half started much the same as the first half, but with a few formation tweaks. Celine moved farther back into a sort of winger role rather than in the front two with Nikki. And then at around 55 minutes, Chi subbed on for Esmita and we moved into a sort of back four. In other substitution news, we saw Mana Iwabuchi make way for Rosella Ayan at about the 85th minute. But I have to be honest, when I was watching the second half, I was watching it on a delay and I already knew it was going to extra time. Uh, And Caroline was talking about that tragic aspect of the game. So I was really just sitting there going, man, I know this is going to extra time already. I just wish one of these shots would have gone in. Uh, And that was all I was really thinking. So are there any other specific moments from that second half that you guys want to call out? So I thought we were less good in the second half. Certainly the first 10, 15 minutes, it felt like Reading had adjusted over half time. They were pressing higher and 
I think it took Spurs a little while to work out how to respond to that. And at that time, there was still a back three. So it wasn't that Spurs had changed shape yet. I think some of it was also with just Nikki at the front. She was a little bit more isolated and it felt like the ball was sort of wasn't staying up for as long. So there were just a couple of different changes that that certainly meant that I think at least for the first half of the second half, just, to, you know, the third quarter of the game, I guess it would be if it was normal length. Um for that period, at least, Reading felt like they were on top, which they hadn't been for the first half at any point that I was really for more than like they'd have a couple of chances. I think that did switch and that Spurs came back into it nicely, but it was probably there, the Reading's best period of the game. And I think it just highlights as well the need to sort of keep going to adjust all of those, be ready to respond to the changes that other teams will make. And there was a few moments where we were seeing some of the bad habits of old come in and lack of um, creativity in terms of passing the ball forward. I also think that probably that's why Azmita was subbed off in that she was, I think she was doing a lot like she always does to intercept the ball really well. Um, and defensively, I think she was good, but her passing was quite skewiff and there was quite a few times where she was passing and it was going almost directly to a Reading player and coming back. And so that might be just because she hasn't played for a while. She's just, you know, it's that getting that sense of the pace of the game and of other players around her because she's usually a very good passer. And so it was quite noticeable because it wasn't how she usually plays. I think there was definitely some sense of tiredness in that second half. Um, I felt the players definitely showed a bit of legginess um, and back to the old like balls being over hit thing, which we saw a lot of first half of the season and occasionally balls being under hit. So the passing wasn't good anywhere. I, mean, I do think Asmita has a, has, a, has a habit in some games of not being a good passer and, and being an excellent passer in others. So this was just one of those games where she went back a little bit. I think I was worried about Keris in a few situations Um her pace letting her down and making some challenges which could have been more serious than they were which were a bit rash um so again concern about game management for players like Keris. I know we're game managing for players through injury and for players with international duty so it's difficult to game manage for everybody but I do think you know we've also got to look at how how many games and how long players like Keris, who are you know uh, older players and who you know are coming to the latter end of their career rather than, you know, being uh, uh, earlier on in their career, how long are we playing them for? Are we utilising them in the best way? Um, so, yeah, I think generally there was tiredness in that second half uh, and, and it felt a little bit less crisp and a little bit um, less like, a little bit more like the team we saw before Christmas, really. Yeah, I agree. And it just made me feel, well, obviously I knew the outcome anyway, but in the moment it made me feel nervous for the extra time periods that were about to come and knowing we had a pretty thin bench. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think fair to ask if Kit would have seen any game time today, if we had not gone to extra time. Uh, Cause you know, like Rachel said, it's, you, you almost don't want to risk her for a game that is not in the end as important as the league games But yeah, it's, it's just frustrating to see that we don't have that, fitness advantage over other teams that we we really did have last season that helped us to stay in games and you know kind of see out some 
some trickier results, um, just having that work rate to continue until the final whistle. I feel like that has not been the case this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, agree with all of that for sure. So yeah, then we went on to extra time. Uh, and in some ways there was a lot more of the same. We'll maybe come on to that in a bit, but I really want to talk about the bright point of the whole day because that happened in extra time. Let's talk about the Kit Graham show. How good was she? Well, we've been waiting a long time, haven't we? I mean, you know, you think ACL injuries, and we've seen Jess out for a year with ACL injuries. Uh, Kit's been out for 15 months with hers and with other complications as well. So, uh, I mean, everybody, you know, knows what Kit brings to the side in terms of that creativity and also that shot that she's got on her. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and she as soon as I mean they they kept it quite quiet she didn't nobody was aware she was coming on until she stood up having stripped and as soon as she stood up and we could see her number there was a there was a cheer that went up and then obviously when she actually came onto the pitch there was another cheer that went up so the fans appreciate exactly what she means and what her coming back could mean we've been lacking some creativity in that midfield area which she can bring back we've been lacking people who are willing to take a shot she's always been willing to take a shot and what was great to see was and I'm sure she is still a little bit rusty, but she didn't look rusty. She looked like she was back coming in, playing how she plays. She wasn't scared to get in on, involved on a tackle. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of times when we were all shouting at the Reading players to leave her alone. We'd only just got her back and we didn't want her out again. But, you know, um, it, it was it was good news all round, I think. And that, um, she seemed to come out of it unscathed. And she almost had that fairy tale moment of returning and scoring a goal, but it, it just went wide. Uh, but yeah, I think fantastic news to have Kit back and looking forward to seeing what she can do with that left foot in, in the remainder of the season. Yeah, it was just great to see her. Um, as Sean said, there was that moment that could have been just the, the most perfect. It's almost like the, we hadn't scored all game just so she could come on and score. And then, yeah, didn't quite work. But it was a decent shot and she was in the right position. And it just one of the things that's interesting about watching her is she's not a fast player. She's a player who who plays in bursts. And I like watching a player who's very still on the ball. She's got that calmness where she has the ball and she feels it looks like sometimes she's got a little bit more time than other people because she doesn't make a decision necessarily fast if she doesn't need to. So she, there was, I think there was this mom moment where it felt like she was almost just standing still in the middle of the pitch and the ball was with her. And then she sort of turned and played it to a, you know, played it to somebody else in space. And I just, that I really enjoyed. And it reminded me of, you know, with her and hopefully starting alongside Manor sometimes, that's two players who are very progressive, really good passers of the ball. And, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, Abby, about our passing in the past this season, this is just such a nice change to have players on the pitch who make those good passes, who find space with their passing. And her composure, I think, has also been really missed, you know, in the team over the last 15 months that she's been out with her injury. We just seem to sometimes lack, I guess, a, a sense of control, you know, like we're we're in the game, we're playing the game, but sometimes the game is moving past us. And I feel like when Kit is on the pitch, you know, we she has things under control. And like y'all said, she doesn't look to have lost a step from her injury. She was still playing the same way that we saw her last season, you know, when she was really 
having a strong moment and was, I would say, our best player um, at that point before her injury. And just seeing her not hesitate to go into challenges. Um, she got physical a few times when she needed to. So there's clearly no like fear holding her back. Um, so I feel reassured. And it's, I think, a positive thing that she was able to get a few minutes in this game. And hopefully she can, you know, ramp up over the next few games and get back to being a regular contributor to the side. Yeah, I thought it was so funny that like her second touch was like a little behind the back flick. Um, that was like so kit to me because she's like, she isn't fast, but her feet are so quick and just like her mind, man. I don't know. Um, I was just thinking about how good all of her passing was. It was, she just knows what she's doing. She looks, she looks good. I was really surprised. I thought after 18 months out, it would take her a while to come back in and she just looked great and confident somehow. It's crazy. Anything else about extra time? I was really just fixated on Kit. I mean, I think we were playing better again than we did in the second half. And I don't know if that's, you know, I'm going to give credit to Roz as well. She had some, she did some running and she had brought some energy. Um, And yeah, generally, I think that although for a while Spurs had made fewer substitutions than Reading, you know, I think that we did start looking like we were matching them in terms of, again, winning the ball and all that stuff that we were talking about failing to do in the second half and, you know, and Kit again, obviously just shoring up the center of midfield. Um, so like I felt like we could score again. I had all this hope going through. Yeah, that's a great point. I also thought that we looked a lot better in extra time than I expected us to. And I did think Roz's cameo was was good. I thought that I mean, yeah, obviously end of the game, Reading are dead on their feet, probably as well, and having her fast, fresh legs like it's probably going to work pretty well. I I thought it was a decent cameo for sure. I mean, I guess one thing I did notice less good perhaps was I thought Chioma wasn't great. She sometimes, again, she was, she was running, her running is good and she was getting into spaces, but when the ball goes to her, and this has just been such a constant thing this season, she just runs into dead ends. And there was quite a few times, I think, especially when we were attacking to, I guess it was, was it the second half of second of injury time or second half? Second, I know we were attacking to our right because I remember seeing her there and she kept on ending up just in that corner or she was in the box and she would just sort of almost play it away from the goal. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I struggle with her still. It's, there are sometimes things she's doing really well, but there are lots of times as well where she, yeah, she marks the end of what we're doing. I do want to mention the penalties just to laugh at how good Roz is at penalties. Oh my God. Why is she so good at them? I was cracking up at her penalty. Cause like I obviously was watching it on a delay and I knew she scored it huge amount of pressure, like having to keep the game alive at that point. And she just calmly walked up and like hit it so fast. The goalkeeper didn't even have to dive for it. And then just walked away. Like nothing had happened. Like what? <laughs> You know, when she came on in the first half, this part of me was just, I was, I was like, are we going to injury time? Are we going straight to penalties? Is that why Ross is coming on? Because we're going straight to penalties. Like my mind and any kind of cup game, like Ross has to be on the pitch at the end of the game if there's a penalty possibility. Part of it too is that she was one of the players who were fresher 
And I think we we saw a couple of penalties from Drew, you know, narrowly making her penalty. And then Karis, obviously hers hitting the crossbar. I think fatigue may have been a factor for both of them because they were two players who, especially, you know, in that lead up to extra time, I was concerned about them still being on the pitch just because the fatigue was very evident. Oh so, my God, yeah. I mean, anytime I, it goes to penalties, that's going to be a possibility. Watching Drew walk up to the penalty spot from the halfway line, it reminded me of how my legs felt after I ran my first marathon. <laughs> I was like, I know she scores already, but I can tell she's like not okay. Like, obviously she's not injured, but like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously recovery needs to happen sooner rather than later. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention on penalties was I just thought Celine was like really sweet and a great teammate like comforting Karis after her pen didn't go in and then she made hers and it was sort of like ran back like pumping her fists and like stamping her feet to get the rest of the team going and like I thought that was a really nice moment and it just shows how even though she's young I feel like she must just be such a positive presence in that regard just from that one little snippet. From what we've heard with the players when we've done interviews and things, uh, there definitely does seem to be uh, a, a, that Celine's a popular character and she's bubbly and everybody likes her. And that's coming out on the pitch as well and seeing it there. So despite a young age, you know, as you say, she is clearly an important squad member already, which is great. And her penalty was very calmly taken. It was just like a sort of it was almost a it was almost a penenka in that, but it wasn't. It was just slightly to the right, but it was just very calm. There was there wasn't any great power on it. I think also in the stadium, it was really hard to tell whether Drew's went in because it bounced across the post and then it bounced like sideways. And you couldn't tell from where, because the goals are really narrow. And from where you're sitting, it's really hard to get any perspective on that. And so, you know, there's no nets billowing. There's nothing happening. The goalkeeper's on the line. The pen of the ball is near her. And so I think everybody was like looking around to see who else was cheering and that people were seeming happy and it was like yeah 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 and so that was like a kind of interesting one to watch live um I mean I think both her and Karis were that on the one hand they were almost great penalties but they weren't because they were getting them right into the corners but actually hitting the bar isn't the best our goals are really weird I don't know if you can tell this on tv but they are probably like at most you know a yard a meter wide they're really shallow We've talked about this, I think, when Molly got injured when she was running into goal. And it's because, yeah, so the hoarding is right (laughs) behind the goal. So there isn't any space. So I also think it's quite interesting because, you know, sometimes when you see penalties, goalkeepers actually start behind their line and come out a bit. You really can't do that at Brisbane Road because there isn't space behind your line. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So let's talk some, some more generally about the game and the squad and all that. So... First up, uh, we had two somewhat key players missing in varying degrees, uh, Beth England and Evelina Sumanen. Curious how much you guys think both of them mattered. Like a scoreline like that, Beth missing with a knock, it's easy to think our troubles happened because she wasn't there. But is that the case? Like, what, what do we think about that? Well, I think like we said, we should have been able to score without Beth England. It wasn't a game that we should, you know, it was going to be particularly difficult. You know, we, the players that we had on the pitch, we should have been able to get a goal. So, yes, obviously we did miss her in the end. And, yes, I'm sure had she been on the pitch, she would have found a way to score. 
but she wasn't and we, you know she's not going to be there every game we've got to find a way to, to score without her it's almost like Ash was for a few games first half of the season where she was doing all the scoring now it seems like best doing all the scoring and we can't rely on one person we've got to be able to find the back of the net no matter who's on pitch yeah I agree there just has to be that next player up mentality um, that clearly was kind of lacking in this game but I, I actually think that Evelina might have been an even bigger miss because I just was not particularly impressed with Angrad's performance in this game. And part of it could be that she just hasn't played for us very much in, in recent games. You know, she's not been getting many minutes. So perhaps the chemistry with the rest of the team is just not there right now. But I think, you know, we we missed some of Evelina's... <sighs> how do I say this? Just not aggression, but she just finds a way, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think you can say aggression. I'm happy. Yeah. I, I, she doesn't strike me as an aggressive player, like person. When you hear her talking off the pitch, she is not in any way aggressive, but she has an aggressive playing style, which we like. And especially when the other player that you're playing alongside is Drew. And Drew, Drew, as we've talked about before, comes and goes in games. And so she can put in those tackles, but she also sometimes is slow to get back. Evelina is, especially the Evelina we've seen over the last few games, is everywhere. She runs, she charges people down. And she also has been really key in our attack. So if you think about how often we've seen Evelina and Beth in the box at the same time, it's really quite surprising how much she's become part of our attacking play as well as that sort of just providing that cover at the back and so we said she's not a passer that's not her forte although she's made a couple of decent passes but she does some of that other stuff um that exhausts players that create spaces for others yeah one one of the other really you know particular things I think Evelina does well is that she's one of the few players we have who tends to win her aerial duels and Angrad was not bringing that <laughs> So we were kind of missing that opportunity to regain possession in midfield in that way. I will say one thing about Evelina. um, I know you were searching for this word and I actually think the perfect word for it is kind of hilarious. So I'm just going to take a little detour for a moment. Do you guys know about Sisu? It's like the Finnish national like characteristic. I know about this because I used the cross country ski at a, cross-country ski place that was run by like an ex-Finnish Olympian growing up and one of the trails was called Sisu I'm probably mispronouncing it I tried my best but from the Wikipedia page Sisu is a Finnish concept described as stoic determination tenacity of purpose grit bravery resilience and hardiness and is held by Finns themselves to express their national character there's not a literal equivalent in English, apparently. It's like a big thing over there. And so when you were searching for this word, I was like, the word you're looking for is totally a sisu, isn't it? Right? Yeah, that uh, describes her to a T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I obviously love Evelina. And I, I, it's such a shame because I know we thought she was underperforming in the beginning of the season. And then we felt like she'd kind of start to hit her stride and was having these really good games. And it's it's... For many reasons, it's such a shame. I guess it's worth saying here, just because it's happened since our last recording. Since we recorded that podcast, she's gone off to play for Finland and she scored twice in their games, in their international games. So whatever was happening at the club with the cards, don't need to re-go over that. Um, the 
Good news, I guess, for us is that she looks like she's really resilient and hasn't that hasn't really impacted how she's playing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and hopefully we'll have her back quite soon doing same old Evelina stuff. We did have some returning players and we, we already talked about the stuff Kit Graham did. And I, I know, Rachel, you mentioned a little bit that you think she'll help with some of the issues we've been having with creativity and retaining the ball and controlling games. Uh, anything else you guys think her return will help with? Any other big issues in the side you think that Kit Graham will address? I think there's something about that kind of boost to the team, which hopefully will help. Um, and hopefully it's the start of people coming back and hope the team will hopefully be kind of looking at it in that way. So I think there's a little bit of that kind of, of hope that she brings um, to the side, as well as, as the, the playing ability that we've all seen. And as I say, hopefully, you know, there's even a little bit more to come as after 15 months out, you wouldn't expect her to be fully match fit and fully um, uh, at her best. I think she's also just going to help us do a better job of maintaining possession. You know, she's really good at staying composed on the ball, stretching the pitch, and I think just helping us to dictate the pace of the game better and feel like we, you know, we're the team controlling it. Um, Maybe not perhaps against some of the top teams, but definitely in the ones that we're really needing to get results against. I think we're going to see that come into play. Yes, also... One of the things is that she tends to play down the middle and over the last couple of games, we've seen Spurs being quite dependent on the wings, really. Um, Celine and Ash, even Manor has been playing out a little bit. And I think that just means that we have more different things going on. And so we become a less predictable team, which is really important. And she, you know, she's one of a few players. Drew does this a bit, but I think Kit does it more. Is just will drive with the ball towards goal, and that, you know, not only does it create opportunities for her, but it also produces opportunities for other players because that requires that defenders are focused on her. So I'm interested to see what that's going to bring. Um, we haven't seen her yet playing with either Beth or with Manor, so that's going to be an interesting set of combinations. So I think there's lots to look forward to. And I think as people were saying before, you can even see the way she plays. She's always, it always looks like she's convinced that she can score and she's convinced that the team can score. And that is something that we really need to believe in. So having that there is going to be good. Yeah, she just has so much gumption. That's like the word that was coming to mind when you were saying that. She, oh man, yeah, I 100% agree with all of that, especially the playing through the middle stuff. I've been kind of frustrated that so many of our attacks have, our attacks have been going through the wings, and I think that's a great shout. Um, all right, so in terms of other returning players, we also saw Esmita, Angerad, and Nikki start today. Um, I know that we've already discussed like the various ups and downs of all of their performances. And so I'm really just curious, what is the ideal role in your guys' minds for all of these players to have to help the team? I mean, I know Rachel's sung Nikki's praises already, but I would I, I was a little bit disappointed, I have to say, with with her inability just to do that Rachel Williams thing of just making sure the ball gets over the line. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of that from her and what she does do she does well the hold up play is good but she hasn't been 
getting into the goal mouth and pushing that ball over the line in quite the same way that we saw Rachel Williams do last season. So I'd like to see a bit more of that from her. Um, as Mita, we've already said, I think her, her passing game wasn't on point this game and she needs to, to be more consistent about that. Um, and Ang Harrods, it's difficult. She's obviously, I think she's, now that we've got the players that we've got, she's not going to be first choice and she is going to be having to come in and play as and when we need her rather than being a regular starter. So needs to be a player that can do that and, and needs to be able to turn it on when she's asked to, which in this game, you know, she struggled to a bit, although obviously she and Amy, I think, have a good understanding. They they play together and they know each other well. So there are some good bits about that as well. But um, yeah, I think I think for all three, there's different little little bits that, that need to be worked on. Um, and it is difficult when you come in and you're not playing every game. It is difficult to do that. But um, if that's your role in the club, then... Uh, but I mean, I think Asmita deserves some more time and uh, and we, we we paid a fee for her. I think she was the first player we paid a fee for. I understand it wasn't easy to prize her away from Aston Villa, but we did it. Uh, and I think we need to show more faith in her this season and give her some more time, especially, as I've said, with the issues around Keris and game time. I think it's the perfect solution. Um, unfortunately, though, we did see her, her less good moments in this game. So, but, you know, <laughs> not all on her. Everybody had some issues. And when he's not played for a few games, you're going to take a minute to get back into the game. So, yeah, that's that's what I think those three can work on. And, you know, with Azmita, she had that run of games at the beginning of the season when she was playing really well. And I'm still not entirely clear on why she wasn't starting after that. So um, that's kind of a curious one. But I agree. I think she just needs more more minutes. Um and the same goes for Nikki. She was kind of in playing a di- slightly different role in this game with us trying out that front two. So I, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on her. And I, I think she did a lot of things really well. So I think it's just kind of, she still just needs to build up her partnerships with the rest of the squad um, so that we can make sure she's getting the service that she needs to be getting those balls into the net. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, the good thing about Nikki was that she she played, like that she played, that she stayed on up until um, she, it looks, and I'm really crossing everything that this was not a strain because one of the reasons that Kit came on is that Nikki went down for a little, for a minute and it looked like it was just, you know, a muscle strain or something. It was nuff or cramp, but she did come off at that point and that's when Kit came on. So she yeah. had been asking to come off for a while and there'd been several people saying to Rianne, Nikki needs to come off. So, yeah. and, and Nikki and Rianne responded with, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on it. Um, and obviously yeah. that was preparing Kit, but there was obviously something that wasn't. And I, th- I think from listening to interviews afterwards, she had a little bit of a knock from, from international. And that's I, I heard in the, um, that's what I heard Rianne saying. So, um, but and so that so she was good that she was able to play as long as she as she did. Yeah, so I think that's just just highlighting that in some ways, like this is the. I mean, she played over ninety minutes and she hasn't played ninety minutes in any WSL games as far as I'm aware, and she definitely hasn't played. She might have played a ninety in one of the Conti Cup games, I think perhaps against Southampton, but that's really yes, it. Um, so for her, she's played up until she's played less than 300 minutes across the WSL so far this season. Obviously, this was an FA Cup game. She has played more FA Cup games, but it's a WSL um, side. 
And so this is something that she hasn't done a lot of. And I think given that she's got two WSL goals and three cup goals so far, it's not a terrible haul for the season, given how much Spurs are not scoring or haven't been scoring. Um, So I think she's definitely one where, yes, I was disappointed. There was a couple of times where I felt like she could have just maybe bundled it in. There There was a chance, I think, in the second half as well that was just like perfect for her. But I guess part of that is I don't feel like she's going to keep missing chances because we've seen in other games that she has she has been the one to take, you know, she has got the winning goal in quite a few games and she seems able to score even when other people don't. And so I don't think this one game is going to necessarily change that, even if she didn't do that. I don't know where she's going to feature once Beth is back. But again, I just like her to get a decent number of minutes so that she builds up and not to be injured. And I think she can play a really big part through the rest of the season. Yeah. And I think like, shoot, what was I just about to say about her? Okay, whatever. I'll start with the other players. <laughs> Going back to Ismita uh, to start, I think um, it's not like Karis has been dropping perfect 10 out of 10 games. And so it's really, it's hard for me to understand why they're not rotating more. It's concerning to me. I've talked about that at length on here. I think my, my ideal place for her to feature is as a starter, because if we're going to be conceding goals through one of the fullbacks, like might as well have it be the younger one. It couldn't be worse. Like, I mean, that's harsh. That's harsh. I don't mean like, I don't mean Karis is being doing a terrible job. I just mean like the damage is already done. We're already losing these games. We're already conceding goals down that side. Like I just get her in there, at least sub her on or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad anger is, is here to deputize midfield duties. Cause like with suspensions and, you know, players being injured or not, we do need that depth there. Um, if she, I'd rather have her in there than, some other members of our squad past and present so fine I wish she would do a little better I feel like we were so excited about her in preseason and she just hasn't ever looked like that same player but whatever you know um yeah and as for Nikki I still don't remember what I was gonna say about her oh I remember what I was gonna say uh it's kind of surprising to me that given that we've heard that Beth may not be fit for Man City that Rianne left Nikki on for as long as she did because I would like us to be able to play a striker in that game that would be really neat like we can't go to Man City with without them that's just adding insult to the injury you know maybe Mills is gonna be the Ross was the striker at Man City. I mean, the, the other thing is that Lena was warming up um, at one point and it looked like she might be the person coming on before Kit came on. So, although I don't even know if she can go to away games. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I hope that Nikki can continue to deputize for Beth. I saw that there was a... Instagram post of like you know Beth sort of like chatting with her in front of the goal while they were practicing and that could only possibly be a good thing um where Nikki can learn from Beth while they're in the squad together all right so let's move the discussion a bit more on to the FA Cup in general so this game was not televised at all in the U.S. and when it finally did come up on the FA player 
Uh, in addition to having no clock or timer or anything like that, it also had no commentary. Uh, for Spurs, it was the same time as Spurs men versus Chelsea men, which is, you know, massive derby, probably not going to take precedence over a cup game, uh, women's cup game for many fans. Uh, additionally, it was at the same time as the men's league cup final. I think that was also on the same day. So in terms of scheduling and just promoting the game in general, how badly do you think the FA screwed this up? I just think they have not done the best job of generating excitement around these domestic competitions. You know, we had this conversation, maybe not on pod, but definitely off pod about the Conti cup, you know, not having a lot of luster to it either on the women's side. And it's, I think part of it is that the, it seems like a bit of a foregone conclusion that, you know, one of like two or three teams is going to win both of these cups simply because the teams lower down in the WSL table just don't have the depth to make a a really deep run. Um, So that's unfortunate and kind of, you know, an obstacle that is a little bit out of the FA's control. But it, it still seems like these games should be used as an opportunity to, you know, keep keep the fan base uh, excited about the team attending these, you know, games week in and week out. And it's it's really hard to do that when you've got so many clashes with important games on the men's side, because, you know, I think I can speak for most of us and listeners of this pod that we support both teams and you want to be able to do that. Yeah, there were a lot of us in the bar at, at half time finding out what was going on in the men's game, um, hoping they were going to score whilst we were in the bar so we could celebrate. Uh, it didn't happen. But um, it does need, you know, it does need thinking about. We've talked about it a lot. Clash, it, it was great. The game, that we, the, the Sunday where we had games that were spaced well enough that we could do both games if we wanted to. And Rachel and I both did both games. And two hours between the games was fine. We were talking about it actually this Sunday and you could probably couldn't do it the other way around you couldn't start with a men's game and then have a women's game just because of the craziness of getting out of the men's stadium you would the timings probably would take it would take you a lot longer to do the journey so uh but you can do it if you put the women's game first and then put the men's game on you can achieve that um I think I think again it's shows how the FA and, and the powers that be in the game are focused on the top four sides and nothing else um that seems to be all they're interested in. And, you know, that annoys me because there are more teams than that. And, you know, it's not just about the teams who are going to win trophies right now. Uh, And we've spoken before about it would be good to have more televised games of mid-table sides playing each other rather than the mid-table sides playing the top four or the bottom-table sides playing the top four, which are never going to make the game look as good as if you have some some of those games where you've got teams that are much more closely matched. Um, You know, the FA Cup in, in the men's game is a huge deal and you know it's on the BBC so it's free to view here in the UK um and and you don't get that with the Premier League and all those kind of things so there's you know the, the FA Cup is a big deal in the men's game and I think it should be in the women's game as well uh, but until and you know you look at the FA Cup in the men's game this season and the, the teams that are left in it you've got some real diversity of teams in there uh, in the women's game again you actually you've got some interesting sides left in it this 
this um, this year at, the, at these rounds. It is a really interesting competition, and I think people who are interested in the in football will be interested in that if they're given the opportunity to be. Uh, and th there needs to be more coverage of it. I think they are. There is rumour of uh, trying to push for coverage of the women's game on television by the men's clubs i.e you know you can't have the men's game unless you play so many of the women's game kind of conversations which i think is being pushed by clubs who want to make more money but whatever the reason that they're pushing for it i think that's it's probably going to be a good thing but only if they can sort out these clashes because at the moment the tv is causing a lot of the problem with the clashing so question what what kind of like actual promotion have they done for this over in the UK? Because, you know, even in the States for the men's FA Cup, we see a ton of advertising for it. So I think one of the things to know is that for season ticket holders, this game isn't one of your tickets. And so you have to buy it separately. And so that means that even amongst regular, you know, game goers, it's something that you make a choice to buy or not. And then with the men's game at the same time, even mm -hmm. people who are maybe watching the men's game on TV might not choose to watch it. But also we heard from people who said that during the men's game at halftime, they weren't showing the women's game. They weren't showing the women's game after the men's game was over when the women's game was continuing. Rather, the mm -hmm. TVs in the men's stadium were showing the build up to Manchester United um, mm -hmm. against Newcastle in the um What's it called? Carabao Cup Lee. final. Carabao, yes. Lee. Manchester United versus Newcastle in the Carabao Cup. So, you know, even within the club, this game then becomes quite invisible. But you can think about it across. I mean, what I would say is, you know, the one place where you can watch it with commentary is on the and on the Spurs play, where it is available, but it's available the next day. It's there were some glitches with the app, which are mostly fixed. So you can watch it, but you have to subscribe. And they also don't promote the fact that it's there, you know, so in none of their promotions were they saying, OK, you can't watch this live, but you can watch the entire game in full on catch up. Um, and, and this is actually the only place you can watch it in catch up with commentary. So for once, they had a unique thing that they were selling on Spurs play and they it wasn't sold. And I think the other thing is that the club is allowed to show three games live a season, but it doesn't choose to show the games that are not being shown elsewhere. It shows it tends to show the big games live, which are usually covered on major TV channels, both in the UK and elsewhere. And so it might show a North London derby or something, which you can probably get in at least two other places. And so it's that choice again about how you're using the internal communications and the internal media from Spurs. And is it done to sort of fill the gaps or is it done to, you know, promote something that is already being promoted? And, you know, I can see the arguments for both, but what it does is it means that if you're not showing stuff live, then people who are already quite into the team just don't get to see live games. And that's, you know, by the time you guys are watching it and you already know that you're going to have to watch 120 minutes plus penalties to see us lose with no goals. I mean, I can imagine that people who don't have to do a podcast about it, we're just like, yeah, you know what? This one I can skip. So. Let that yeah. show our dedication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Made it through all 120 minutes plus penalties. Watch watch Karis miss hers with my own two eyes after after all that anyway 
I want to wrap up the discussion of this game with a question that I came up with just for fun. I wrote it last night. And of course, I uh, saw this morning on Twitter that over on Cowder Pressed podcast, like the general podcast, they they answered a very similar question. And so then I was like, oh, I guess I wasn't the only person thinking this. But anyway, we just played 120 minutes and it was a goalless draw. And it sounds like everybody's worst stereotypes of football come true. So if you could change one rule to make football super fun and your dream game, what would it be? And how do you think it would make the game more fun? I have to say, I'm just going to preface this by saying, as a Spurs women fan who has watched a lot of defeats in a row, a goalless draw felt quite calming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not saying it matched the stereotypes, but yeah, I think you're definitely right about that. I think if we wanted to add a little bit of chaos to the game for excitement, the obvious answer would be to bring back the golden goal concept for extra time. I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying it's the obvious solution. But the golden goal made everybody really defensive and cautious. So there were very few games or, and that's why they took it away again. I mean, it was better. The stuff that they used to have in MLS, they were crazy. Do you, uh, they, you know, they used to have those bizarre penalties where they started yeah. the ball on the halfway that line. That would be my answer. That is <laughs> a better answer, in. actually. Yeah, so that one was crazy. The other thing that I've heard people suggest, which I've always thought would be really fun, is that through every, like every 10 minutes of like injury time, you take away one player each um from each team so there's just more and more space on the pitch and eventually someone is going to score or drop dead because they are exhausted and I quite I mean you could do it every five minutes depends how few players you want to have left and I guess you could also have like you could either have it like the home your own team decides who to get rid of or your opponents decide who on your team you have to get rid of and of course then it's like you get rid of the goalkeeper do you get rid of the striker so I can imagine that creating total chaos and like massive fun. But you That's know, with our injury, injury situation, that terrifies me. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I was, there was a version of this question I drafted where I had thrown in and danger to the players is no object. So maybe we'll <laughs> keep that because I was going for like, once you get to extra time, you can use your hands. It's like, or maybe the game is just like actually rugby sevens in, in extra time. I don't know. <laughs> Anything to add, Sean? I, I think uh, I think people have tried lots of different uh, different things, and uh, nothing has nothing has made it. Nothing has won the day. So, I think we have to accept that it is what it is, and the game that we love is the game that we love. And for all its um, faults. Um, it, it, you know, we're, we're still here watching and there are still millions of people around the world watching. So it must be doing something right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I actually, realistically, I don't want to change anything either. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have Man City in the league. Do you think we could ask them to have Gracie Paris's goal against them in the FA Cup attributed to Spurs in this coming game? <laughs> Does that mean we'd start one nil up and then just like see yeah. where we get to from there? Yeah, I could do that. That's that sounds right. good. <laughs> All right. No, but seriously, so City are doing really well right now. They're third in the WSL, but they're on some of the best form by the numbers, not necessarily by the results. But um, yeah, so they, in addition to beating Bristol City 8-1 in the cup, which is where that crazy purse goal came from, they also recently beat Arsenal 2-1 in the league. 
every time we play them, I'm just blown away by how much talent they have on the team. Yeah. And like, of course, we're not, we might not have Beth England. Like, we don't know what shape our squad is in, though. We just found out more about that today. How, how are you guys feeling? We've got the hand of Ross. What else do we need? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you never go into this game in a, in a, positive like last year I remember arriving at the, it was earlier on in the season so we didn't know that Manchester City were not at their best um it was a horrible day in Manchester got rather wet walking to the ground was like oh this is not going to be fun and then it really was um because at half time we were we were drawing and at full time we were winning so um that was a fun game last season I don't see it going that way this season uh I think um again I'll say what I've been saying for all of these games for the last two seasons. If we keep it to a less than a to a two goal deficit or less, then I'll be happy, and that'll be progression from where we have been. Um, but with the way Spurs are playing at the moment, they could go backwards. They could hold them to closer account. Um, you know, you, you say you talk about the Arsenal game and, and City beating Arsenal, but Arsenal are not quite the side they were at the moment. They are struggling to score goals with their. Uh, attack um suffering the same fate as a lot of our players uh so i mean it's you know it's anybody's it's anybody's guess i suspect it will be a loss um but i and i and i hope it will not be a heavy loss yeah because I, I didn't get to that game last year i only went to the conti cup was it were we in the semi-final. quarter semi-final and that was a not fun game to be at. And it was one of those games where you could see how good City were. And we played City earlier this season and they weren't quite full throttle. But that game, you know, Bunny Shaw played some really nice football. Chloe Kelly was playing well and Chloe Kelly has upped her game since then. It's just absolutely on fire. And Lauren, I mean, that front three is, I mean, you know, they're my probably my favourite front three in the league they're so fun to watch when they're purring um I don't know what we're going to do against that I mean the good news is we collect a clean sheet in this game we didn't make mistakes our defense is getting better we're conceding fewer stupid goals hopefully and so maybe that will mean that you know we just reduce the amount that they are scoring it would be nice to have Beth back so that we could potentially have more chance of scoring but maybe Kit will get something it's definitely not a game that I'm optimistic about and at this point given the injuries given everything else it feels like the game we have to get through in order to get to the decider games and so part of me is just like let let's just let's just have it let the chips fall but where they may I saw someone you suggesting on Twitter and I I almost buy it it's like you know play reserves play all the players that we don't care whether they get you know no we care whether everyone gets injured but you know we shouldn't injure any more players in this game we need to beat Liverpool we need to beat Leicester those games really really matter for our season our season is not going to be won or lost on this game so in one sentence or less what do you think is going to be key for us in this game if we are going to get anything from it Winning a penalty for Ross to take. <laughs> now that's my silly answer. My real answer is we have to keep a clean sheet, but I don't realistically see that happening. 
I love your answer, Caroline. Your Ros answer is so much better. My answer was just going to be one word and that's luck. It would be hilarious. <laughs> it would be amazing. Well, we got the luck in in the in this fixture last season. Um, you know, I think um the way Spurs play at the moment, anything's possible. If City have an off game, which is not unthinkable, you know, we could go in as we can go in and surprise them. They you know, they're not going to be expecting us to play well. So I guess we hope that they underestimate us and we go in with a game plan and um you know we, if we play the best we have played this season then you we could get a draw out of it but I, I don't see it happening yeah my answer was going to be a striker um but you guys already know that <laughs> all right so before I make you do score predictions let's have a little bit more fun since the game probably won't be if you could take any city player and make them a Spurs player just for this game who would it be and would it change how you feel about this upcoming game? I mean, it's got to be Bunny Shaw, hasn't it? Take away her from them and give us the firepower. You think we win or draw with Bunny Shaw? I think we have a better shot at it. I think it kind of depends who's fit for us because if Beth is fit, I might take Lauren Hemp just because I really love her and I think that she does so much defensive work as well as I just think she is a player who's everywhere. Um, so I just enjoy watching how strong she is. But obviously, if Beth is England, then yeah, Bunny, if injured, we need Bunny Shaw. There is just no doubt about it. Well, when I was reading this question earlier, I... I think I misread it slightly and didn't realize you meant for this game. And I was thinking long-term, I would like Jess Park, who obviously is currently on loan, not at Man City. But I just think she would be a big upgrade on, you know, most of our winger options and someone who could be, you know, developed across the future as well. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think my first inclination was Lauren Hemp as well. I might take one of their defenders, but I don't really know too much. So I'm just going to leave that alone for now. The only argument as I was thinking about it is Chloe Kelly in terms of like fighting spirit and attitude. She never wants to lose anything. And I feel like we might need her in this game. So just for this specific game, maybe Chloe Kelly, because she is in amazing form, but also because she has that just absolute crazy will to win. And if you think about, you know, her winning goal in the Euros, that was all about just getting the ball across the, you know, the ball into the net across the line. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer as well. All right, let's wrap it up with some quick score predictions. Um, I don't think we should probably do who we think the goal scorers are going to be for this one, if I'm being totally honest. So let's just get those numbers out there. I I hesitate to answer because I've been changing my mind about this all day. And obviously it depends on like who we can actually play in this game. I think, you know, whether Beth plays or not is a huge factor, but I, I'm going to go with a realistic prediction, unlike my usual predictions and say that we're going to lose 2-0. And it pains me to say that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go, we're going to lose 3-1. Three, 
I'm feeling really pessimistic and then I'm just like maybe I should just over predict negatively and then at least I'll be pleased I'm like if I say five nil and then we come up at two nil I'll be so happy um but that's I don't know no I don't think it'll be that bad (laughs) yeah I guess it just kind of depends who we get onto the pitch I could imagine a five nil I can imagine a 2-1 2-1 in my fantasy world getting something let's go 4-1 because I'm feeling pessimistic today I hope to be proved totally wrong I when I prepared this I was thinking something totally different but I feel that I have to remain defiant against the bad vibes so I'm going with 1-1 <laughs> uh cue the nervous laughter anyway uh that's all for today folks uh, you can find us on Twitter at N17Women and in all the other usual places. And thank you for listening and come on you Spurs. 